had a coworker who I did not get along with and simply because I didn't give her a chance and I kind of dismissed her right away um, based on, I don't know, just little quirks, I guess. I'm not sure what it was, but then there was one day that where both of us stayed late um, and we started talking and we realized that we had so many similar life experiences, um, childhood experiences, and just, I mean, we talked for hours and she is now one of my best friends. I labeled her right away um, instead of embracing her and trying to figure out who she was. And so when I realized that, I realized, you know, she's not this, she's not that, she is me too. Our lives are often filled with worry and chaos as the media propagates one negative story after another, bringing divide and tension within topics such as politics, religion, and race relations. These stories fuel hatred and confusion while people continue to live in fear. Yet through all this negative energy, many are delivering messages of wisdom and hope, encouraging positive change, and that's something I'm aiming to do. My name is Roger Brooks, and I'm hopeful for our future, but we must be the change and not be a spectator in life, looking from the outside in. For as long as I could remember, I've been fascinated by people's stories. Stories speak to us, and since the beginning of time, the human race has prospered by passing down wisdom told through the essence of story. It's a way for people to aspire to become the hero they know they could be, seeing their higher self through the wisdom of others. What started out as a hobby has quickly turned into my life mission, and as I deliver a new guest each Sunday, I'll aim to prompt the questions you may be thinking, and through the power of listening, I'll allow the guests to speak and articulate their points of view in order to give you the headspace you need to realize your own hero's journey. We are one race. We are one people. Help spread the word about American Real, and together, let's make great stories go viral to inspire, enlighten, and empower those we love and the masses we hope to reach. This week on American Real, we continue with our millennial series and bring you The Lucky Sevens. It's episode 77, where we're bringing you Ashley Montalvo, who is a family advocate mompreneur and she's building her brand she is me too 
Ashley and I get into a great conversation and what I really liked about her story most is how when she was in college she became pregnant and found her family within the college who embraced her in her pregnancy until the baby was born. So this is a great story of a young person who's turning her life into something really special and is living for her kids and her family. Speaking of turning your life into something special, would you ever think recording live videos could have an impact on your life? I cannot begin to tell you the extreme improvement it has made in my life as it relates to building my confidence, communication skills, and helping me to get to the center of who I am. Because of this, I have started a private Facebook community within American Real we call Live Tribe, and it's made up of some incredible people from all around the world. If you'd like to join us and practice live video and feel the power it has in a safe environment, you can try it risk-free for 21 days to help you become the best version of yourself. Click on the link below and join us today. And if you're really ambitious, we also have our inner circle group made up of high achievers just like you. My monthly coaching call is jam-packed with information to help you build your own brand and learn from experts who I personally invite on our calls. People who are part of my inner circle that you too can connect with. Check the show notes for more information. So sit back, relax, as I welcome Ashley Montalvo. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Ashley Montalvo. You are a family advocate for the Family Enrichment Network and have worked with children, specifically those with special needs, throughout your career. You currently are enrolled at NYU Online for mental health counseling. You're involved in church ministries and you're a mompreneur, being a mother of two. You have a passion to help teens and young adults find their purpose pursue their dreams, make positive life choices, and affect change in their community. You are part of our Millennial Series, highlighting high-achieving millennials. Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to have you on, and we love to have millennials on to really highlight and showcase the good things that our young generation are doing. And, and first of all, we appreciate you being here, and we thank you for all that you're doing for the world. Thank you. So a couple of days ago, uh, you put a post up on Instagram about receiving your giving keys. Yeah, I'm actually wearing it. Can you tell us what it is? Um, so there is a blogger. Um, her Instagram name is Beloved Tiffany, and she um, put a post up with two keys, one that said hope and one that said love. And she asked people to just share their story, which word they needed the most this year, um, and then kind of give a little blurb about why. Um, and so I just posted under, and she was gonna pass on the key to somebody of her choice on there. Um, and so I posted under there, hope. And um, because I've been going through a lot these past couple of years, um, and I really feel like that's something that I need to hold on to is hope. And so the point of these keys is that 
Um, it comes with like a little card that says, embrace your word, um, share your story. And you, um, once you've embraced your word, then you pass it on. So it's, I love that. yeah, it's the giving keys is what they're called on Instagram as well. And then how will it work? So how will you know who to pass it on to? And I guess when you're ready, then, then how, how will it work? Yeah. Um, I'm not sure yet. I just, I saw how she did it, um, in that way. And I feel like once I go through whatever it is that I need to go through and I, I, um, embrace my word, I will probably kind of do something similar where I ask people to share with me, um, what they're going through and you know why it is that they need this. I, I feel like if, when you allow people to share their stories and show others that they're not alone in their struggles, um, it really helps them to open up and realize things about themselves. Um, so I feel like I, I would wanna do it in that way and then choose somebody and pass it on. That's so awesome. And look, I mean, the reason we started American Real is to tell and share people's stories. Right. So, it ties in so nicely from a timing standpoint mm -hmm. of you receiving that. Yeah. So we'll have to stay in touch so you could let us know at, at that point yeah. what happens. Because that'll be, that'll be nice to hear. Yeah. So we, we were talking earlier off camera about New York City mm -hmm. and how much you love New York. I was telling you that we were there yesterday to, to film a couple of episodes. Yeah. Um, and then you started to talk about something on your brand. Yeah. Um, Tell us. So I went there recently um, for an event called the I Declare Soiree. Soiree. Um, and so it was a, an event with a bunch of women and they had some speakers and it was like a networking thing. And I met a photographer out there who she's kind of bi-coastal. She goes to she lives in L.A. and in New York City and she's back and forth. And um, she took some amazing pictures of the event and we got time to kind of meet up with people that could possibly help us with our brand. And um, I had never done, I love doing photo shoots with my kids and things like that, but I had never done anything for my brand. Um, she is me too. So I talked to her and I really like when photographers can give you um, a vision and help you establish like what you want to do. And she was giving me some really great advice. And I was like, I want to do it in New York City because I really, really love being there, the environment. Um, and so she gave me a lot of great ideas and hopefully soon when she's back in New York City, we'll do that. What is it about New York? And that's wonderful, by the way. I think that's really cool. Um, what is it about New York, that the energy there that pulls us in? For We have a lot of people that live, you know, all around the country, but yeah. outside of, of the United States as well. So can you describe what it feels like for you when you're there? I think it, the city itself just meshes so well with my personality. Um, I really am very outgoing. I love to just be able, I used to work at Disney World and I used to be able to just walk up to people and sing to them out of nowhere. And I feel like New York City is a place where you can do things like that and people aren't gonna look at you like you're crazy. Or they might, but it's okay, you know? Um, so I love that the energy, the fast pace, and I'm just completely enamored by the structure of it. I mean, you look up and you see all of these buildings and I don't know if you've ever seen the pictures of New York City when it was like Times Square, when it was kind of bare. Sure. Just looking at those and seeing how people have become, you know, just so creative and innovative and made these amazingly ginormous structures um, and how people just function in that city. I think it's all just so beautiful. It's art. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, I totally agree. And let's segue into your She Is Me Too. Okay. What, what is that? How did you come up with the name? Tell us about it. 
Okay, um, so I've been writing kind of my whole life. I really, I realized in college that I really enjoyed writing essays, which was strange, um, but I just knew that it was because of my love for writing. Um, so I knew that I wanted to do something with writing, but I wasn't sure what that was yet. Um, and then a friend of mine, a coworker of mine, took me to a conference called Women of Faith. Um, it was in Virginia. And so Women of Faith, there was a lot of different speakers. Um, there was worship, you know, uh, it's called Building 429 or something like that. It's a band. They performed a um, really big event. And then they were talking, there was somebody there that was talking about writing a book. And I was like, hmm, that sounds pretty interesting, you know, but I didn't know if I was at that level for writing. I didn't know what that required. Um, but I started kind of looking into some things. And then I um, was just searching on the internet about writing a book or how to write, how to get your message out there. And then I saw blogging. And really back then I hadn't heard of blogging very much. I didn't know what it was. Um, so I started to do my research, you know, how do you start a blog? What do you do? And I found my host and I, I made it. And um, so I started from there, just sharing my stories. And really the brand name started from, um, I had a coworker who I did not get along with. And simply because I didn't give her a chance. Um, I was a supervisor in my previous job at, um, in Virginia. And so she was somebody that I was training and I kind of dismissed her right away um, based on, I don't know, just little quirks, I guess. I'm not sure what it was, but then there was one day that where both of us stayed late um, and we started talking and we realized that we had so many similar life experiences, um, childhood experiences, some of our family members that were very similar in personality, that kind of thing. And just, at, I mean, we talked for hours and she is now one of my best friends. And I thought, wow, I would have missed out on this opportunity, on this friendship, this lifelong friendship because I just wasn't willing to give her a chance. I labeled her right away um, instead of embracing her and trying to figure out who she was. And so when I realized that, I realized, you know, she's not this, she's not that, she is me too. So that's where that came that from. That is so awesome. Thank you. I love that. Thank so you. that's now your brand. That is, yeah. Hmm. And when you, when you talk about that, I can't help but think about when you say labels, especially that we all tend to label in some ways, yeah. or at least if we're not aware of it, that's what we've done. Right. And until we're aware of it, that's when we stop and mm -hmm. hopefully stop. Yeah. Or, you know, I think it's a constant learning process, but was, was that kind of your realization for labels, not only with her, but in general? Yeah. Um, and it's hard because obviously nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. So, but it, it has, that was the moment where I made myself aware of it so that when it happens again, I try to, you know, check myself, give her a chance or, you know, maybe there's something else going on. Always kind of giving people the benefit of the doubt because at the end of the day, some people aren't going to get along. It's not a perfect world where everybody's just going to be harmonious, you know, but um, it really gave me a heightened awareness of I'm not giving this person a chance. I'm judging them before I know them. So, yeah, that that relationship in itself. And I tell her all the time, I like give her credit for it <laughs> um, because that did turn turn that mindset around for me a little bit. Great. And where do you want to take your brand? What are you doing today? 
with it and where where do you want to take it with your journey? Um, so it slowed down a little bit uh, with my writing. I've just been blogging mostly um, on my website and I do some things, you know, like Instagram posts and things like that. I try to um, be as inspirational as possible. But, you know, we we try to put out these really positive messages, but at the same time, we're human and we go through things. And so I've had a little bit of um, a setback just with mental health things um, where so now I'm trying to get back on track for myself, but also I'm in school right now. Um, I'm at NYU for mental health counseling and I kind of wanted to. Well, actually, at the event that I went to in New York City, I had an epiphany there where I, because I was thinking, you know, I'm doing this for my brand. She is me too. I'm blogging. I wanted to do more with that, but I wasn't sure what it was yet. And then I'm doing mental health counseling, um, my master's, so that I can have a career. But I'm like, how do I bring those two things together? And while I was there, I was just thinking about past um, events, kind of little small groups that I've had where I called them Me Too groups. Um, and I would just bring women together and I'd kind of have discussion points and we'd talk about things. And at every single one of those, we had like this breakthrough where one person would start kind of speaking up about their life, their situation. And it was amazing. It's like, nobody would have ever known this about this person. Um, Cause we all knew each other. Usually in Virginia, it was my coworkers. We only knew each other on that professional level. Right. Um, and it just broke down these barriers between all of us where we were all able to relate and just be really open with each other. And I'm and so when I was at this event, I was thinking, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to have these group counseling sessions, but I want to be the real deal, you know, sure. um, a licensed counselor in this and know, you know, what I'm talking about and how to guide these women. Um, and I, I want to work specifically with women. And then the other thing that I wanted to focus on was um, women who are pregnant or, you know, um, postpartum, because I went through a little bit of postpartum depression after having my son. And so I think that's really important. For sure. Do you see yourself doing some of these events in more of a casual way before you actually receive the degree to do it more professionally? Yes. Yeah. And I have. Um, I, I did the Me Too groups was just kind of like any woman could come. Um, and then I also had mom groups so that um, women can come with their children and feel like that's okay. I can do something. I can still, you know, have some hangout time with the girls, but the kids are there too. And nobody's annoyed by my child running around screaming, uh, which is something we deal with often. So, you know, I wanted to open that space. And I've just been kind of doing things in my home. Hopefully we'll be able to do a little bigger space and invite more people, but. That's great. It's really purposeful and meaningful. And, um, you know, I'm excited for you to, to, to you. continue to you know, go down that path. And however we could help support you, you know, just let us know, because yeah. that's what we're about is helping to empower and inspire and enlighten. So yeah. um, good for you. Thank that, you. That's so awesome. Thank you so much. So um, let's talk about your writing. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm also a writer, so I love talking about writing and um, you said when you were listening to that person speak and they were writing a book, you said, you know, maybe, maybe I could write a book. So do you have aspirations to write a book? Are you working on a book? What's um, happening there? Well, it's funny because I, I just get very 
Uh, I don't know if scatterbrain is the right word, but when it comes to narrowing down what I want my book to be about, I get so many different ideas and I'm like, maybe I can just write a series or it's just going to have to be like 10 different books, you know, um, or how can I put these all into one? I definitely do want to write one. Um, I think my life will have to calm down a little and have less on my plate before I can really do that. But I'm definitely um, brainstorming randomly. I, I'll think of something and I have to put it in my phone right away or it'll go away. Um, and I kind of think about pulling together some of my past blog posts and how I can integrate those. Um, because really, ultimately, I want to write something about my life, um, the journey that I've been on, because I'm only 28, but I have <laughs> been through a lot of things that I feel like would help other people if they heard about it. That's right. So. Well, that's great. And again, I wish you success there. Thank you. Because that's, that's really exciting if you could yeah. write your first book. Yeah, I'd love that. So tell us about the Unchained Truth. Is that part of your brand? Yeah. Um, well, that was the tagline of my blog at the beginning. Um, and it kind of is true to what it still is. Um, so it was me. At first, I was just sharing my personal stories. And like I said, I've been I've been through a lot of things um, and I was a little nervous about being that vulnerable. And then I just thought, you know, no, somebody out there needs to hear this. The unashamed truth. I'm not holding back um, because that's what that's life. That's what people go through, right. you know, and so many times people are going through things and they, they are so closed off about it or um, they isolate themselves because they think I'm the only one or this is just too far gone where nobody's going to understand what I'm going through, you know? And so I made it a point to share those things openly. And I received such amazing feedback with that. Um, you know, I get people who comment on my, uh, my post or send me emails saying like, I really needed to hear this. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and even if it's just one person, you know, that's the goal. Sure. I want somebody to, if, you know, if they relate to this, to understand you're not alone. Um, and then I encouraged other women to share as well. So I would interview people as well and write about their stories um, and encourage them to be that transparent. You know, it's like nothing's off the table. I want you to feel comfortable telling me um, and, and sharing so that other people can relate and you can help somebody else too. Sure. And I think just by expressing it, you help yourself yeah. by being that vulnerable. Oh, yeah. And that's how I am with my writing. I write and I kind of learn new things about the situation or just by putting it down on paper. Absolutely. What was the most personal thing you've shared in your blogs? Um, I had a situation about, goodness, I think it was five years ago, where... I was, I was pretty young and I wasn't making the best choices when it came to friends um, and just the way that I was portraying myself on, on social media. Um, and so I had a friendship where my mom had told me, <laughs> so funny, my mom said to me, be careful of this person that you're hanging out with. And back then I said, crazy. Like we're best friends. Um, it was a girl or a guy, a girl. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And she was significantly younger than me, uh, about five years younger than me. So, um, she was a teenager actually. 
And so I didn't think anything of it. And my mom, um, I had a dream that I was at a football game and it was, it was like a high school football game. So very young crowd. And I put my phone on a table and somebody reached to grab my phone and I, my hand was kind of still on it. So I felt their hand and I just looked at them like, why, why would you try to take my phone? It was a stranger. And they started chasing after me. This group of people started chasing after me. And basically I couldn't find refuge until I was on a city bus with a bunch of people that I knew and the bus took me away and I was fine. But I told my mom about that and she has, she's a bit of a dream interpreter. Um, And so she, that's what she got out of it. You know, be careful of this person. And I was just like, okay, mom, you're crazy. And I kind of let it go. And then um, after that, this girl and I started to have a little bit of tension. I never told her about the dream or anything that my mom said, you know, but we started to have a little bit of tension and I kind of went on a Twitter rant (laughs) um, that she was not pleased with. She came to my door um, and one thing led to another and we were kind of in a physical altercation. And um, what happened was her fiance got in the middle and he knocked me to the floor and he hit me several times in the face. Um, And so, and the strange thing was back then when I was in my apartment, as I'm listening or doing this Twitter rant, I'm listening to the song Word of God Speaks by Mercy Me, right? It's a little contradictory, right? Yes. You know, um, I'm, I'm having this angry rant on Twitter and I'm listening to this powerful Christian song. Um, but anyway, so all that happened. And this was in your apartment? Yeah, well, I was in my apartment. We s- stepped out. There was like a little boardwalk in between our apartments. So that's where it actually took place. Um, my daughter was in her room. She was about two years old. She was in her room. She woke up, heard everything, was screaming, crying. Um, she saw it happen. I mean, I don't know what she remembers. She was two. But anyways, um, I had to go to court for this because they pressed charges against me. Um, I had to just go through a lot of different things. And on my way to the courthouse that morning, I turned on the radio and word of God speaks came on. And I just, I cried. I, um, it was just a really humbling experience. I'm not saying that this man was right for hitting me or anything like that, but I, I felt like, I, first of all, that Twitter rant should not have happened, obviously, but you know, the words of that song, Word of God Speaks, it says, the last thing I need is to be heard, but to hear what you would say. And I think I was just too focused on, I'm right, you're wrong. I need you to hear what I'm saying. And that was the purpose of that Twitter rant, even though I was hurting someone by doing that. Um, And so it, it just, it changed my world in that moment. And that, that song came on, on my way to court. It was just like, God, I see what you're doing. (laughs) I hear you now. And I'm not going to say a thing. And when I got to the courthouse, um, their lawyer came out and said, we'll drop our charges. If you drop yours. Cause I had pressed charges against the guy. And part of me was like, no, he deserves to pay for what he did. Um, and then I was just like, okay, you know, last thing I need is to be heard. I'm just, gonna let let God do his thing because he'll deal with him in his own way and 
Um, when we walked into the courtroom, the girl actually held the door open for me and she smiled at me in a, and not in a condescending kind of way, but it was, there was just an understanding there. And I haven't spoken to them since, but I have forgiven them. Um, so that was probably one of the hardest things for me to share on my blog because it was, it was embarrassing. It was, um, very, very humbling. Sure. No, and that was a very brave thing for you to do. Um, but how amazing that that song came out because if it didn't, yeah. that would have changed the course of that day and who knows yeah. what would have happened, uh, ultimately. Absolutely. So, what a great story. What a great story. Um, so tell us about you, you, you moved away for a while yeah. and you, you, you went to Virginia and then you came back and, and again, you're, you're very young. So yeah. tell us about that whole experience of, of why, you know, why, why come back right. and how has that, you know, how has that changed your world? Um, so originally I, I grew up in Binghamton um, and then I went to college out in Virginia. I was struggling a little my junior year in high school and my senior year. I got to a point where I was like, I don't care about school. I'm not going to college. Um, so I wasn't even applying for schools. I was really late on that train. And then finally, my mom and everybody in my high school, like my counselors and principals are like, this is not like you. What's going on? So I ended up um, applying to a few schools. I went to a college fair. And I was walking around and the type of person that I am, I did not care about any of their academic selling points or anything like that. I was just looking to talk to a person. So I went and I saw this table um, and it said Bridgewater College. And there was a guy who was just, he didn't say anything, but he was just his, he was welcoming. I don't know. So I walked up to him and he just sold me on that school. I never heard of it in my life. I didn't know where it was. But I was like, that's the one. So um, I ended up applying to Bridgewater College, which is in Virginia, about six hours down 81. And I wrote a, my personal essay was a poem, um, which I loved that they accepted that because I thought, okay, this is definitely the kind of school I want to go to. Sure. Um, but when I got accepted, I thought there's no way my parents were going to let me go to the school. It's so far away. And I had a pretty, um, I wouldn't say sheltered, but you know, we had rules. And <laughs> so um, I didn't think that my parents were going to let me go that far away from home. And as soon as I got my acceptance letter, my mom was like, you're going. <laughs> and I think it was more so like she needs to go to college. <laughs> they were worried because I was kind of on a track where I thought I wasn't going to go. Um, so I went. I didn't go to orientation. I didn't visit. I just first day I got dropped off and it was like, go ahead. Wow. They let me fly. So I ended up in Virginia from that four years. I graduated um, and then I came back home for the summer. But I at that point already had my daughter um, and I spent the summer there. And then I got a, an apartment and a job out in Virginia. And I kind of just sprung it on my parents. I was like, hey, guys, I'm moving. Um, and of course, they were they were pretty upset about it because they just had a new grandbaby. And uh, but yeah, so I lived out there for five years um, on my own with my daughter and then I had my son and we decided to move back for a few reasons there was um, I had a friend of mine who passed away from a heroin overdose mm -hmm. and that year um, that year it was 
it was really tough. I usually wouldn't come home maybe once or twice a year when I was living in Virginia, including college. Um, that year I came home every month. I just wanted to be around my friends and my family um, while I was going through that. And then, but I was also thinking I need to come home. I just need to come home. But it was a really impulsive thought just uh, based on my emotions. And then um, I thought to myself like, no, I don't want to make a, you know, an irrational move. I want to make sure that I'm ready. Um, and so I let a little time go by. I think it was about a year. And I still felt that tug, like, I want to go home. Mm -hmm. I really want to be close to my family and especially having two kids. Although I developed a very strong support system out in Virginia, um, I wanted to be close to my, my family and my childhood friends and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So I came back. That's great. Yeah. And let's talk about the Johnny Stringfield Scholarship yeah. Fund. Um, so yeah, that's my friend that passed away. Um, he was doing a lot in the community. There's a group called I'm Dope Without Dope, and he was one of the co-founders of that. So even through his struggle of addiction, he was really trying to help other people. He was trying to stop anyone from even picking up the drug in the first place, you know, um, because he realized that this is not what I want for my life. He was trying to get help, but at the same time being that person to share his testimony and put it out there and um, help other people that were going through similar things. So after he passed away, I, you know, I was still out in Virginia and I was coming home, but I was thinking, you know, if I can't go back home, how can I help from far away? And so I um, had in mind to do a scholarship fund for Binghamton High School. And I researched that. How do I make that happen? Um, I got in contact with some people out here and I, um, got together with his mom and his family and we we started that up we've done some fundraisers here and there and actually this past june was the first year that it got awarded to a student wow. yeah that's that's incredible yeah. so can we this heroin ep epidemic um i'm a lot older than you and cannot really relate to it mm -hmm. because that when i was growing up that really wasn't a thing, you know, right. um, it wasn't, uh, definitely wasn't a, a nationwide epidemic. Yeah. What's it like from your perspective, um, seeing people, you know, mm -hmm. pass, um, maybe people, you know, that, that use or have used, yeah. um, what, what is that like? It's, it's unreal. I just, I think I put myself in a bubble when I was out in Virginia because I had that mindset where I'm like, I need to get out of Binghamton, you know? Um, and so I left and I did not, I had no idea. And I would come home every once in a while. And I was in situations around people that were apparently under the influence of the drugs like that. And I was clueless. And my friends, I think too, just because of how I am and they know how emotional I get, um, they were sheltering me as well. They, uh, there was a situation where I was at dinner with uh, four of my friends and one of them kept leaving the restaurant and I didn't understand what was going on. And my other friends were just making excuses hmm. for it because they didn't want me to know, you know, and they weren't happy about it, but they just were like, well, let's not kind of um, show her that side. And so that was happening. And I just, I didn't realize what was going on until I was 
at Johnny's funeral. And there was a point where they asked, you know, if anybody wants to come up and speak about him and, um, you know, just how you knew him, that kind of thing, come up. And I was so nervous. I mean, this funeral, there were 500 plus people in there. Um, but I, I just felt like I have to go up. I have to go up. So I went up and I looked over at my group of friends and I just started crying. And I said, I feel like I left you guys just, you know, and not that it's my fault. There's nothing I, I could do, you know, maybe to change that the past, obviously. But I, I felt a responsibility um, to come back and help and be a part of the solution. And yeah, so it, it's just, it's unreal. Um, also, I went to a rally in DC with Johnny's mom and it was facing addiction. It was this huge, huge rally. Um, the US Surgeon General was there and he spoke about some changes that they were trying to make as far as helping in recovery and things like that. And I just was looking around and you don't know, you literally, you don't know who's being affected by it, whose family member is. It does not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you're the top business person in a company or the lowest of lows. It does not discriminate. So it's just eye-opening. It's really been eye-opening for me. Do you think it's going to continue? Sadly, probably. But I feel like, I mean, the epidemic, I hope not. You know, I can't say that nobody's ever going to use drugs again. Um, but I feel like people are, their eyes are opening to it. More people are aware of things that are going on in hospitals and, you know, people being over prescribed or um, incorrectly prescribed drugs. That's how Johnny's addiction started. You know, he had a sports injury, got prescribed some painkillers and it all went from there, you know? I so, heard that same story over and over yeah. and over again. So it's really about awareness and um, people just rallying together, not um, putting the stigma on addicts and really focusing on helping them, not judging them and yeah, inform, educating the, the youth. That's why also I wanted to, with the scholarship fund, I was hoping to eventually get into Binghamton High School and talk to students, you know, about why I'm doing that. And because of the scholarship fund, there's a specific criteria of who's eligible for it. And one of the things is somebody going into a career of human services. Mm. Um, whether that be nursing or a counselor or anything sure. like that, any human service field, and a student who is committed to a drug-free lifestyle. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. Well, it's a great cause. It's a great cause. Um, Calvary's Love. That is my church. That's my church. Tell us about it. Uh, so I grew up in Calvary's Love. Um, they branched out from... First Assembly of God, which is now City Church. Um, yeah, so I've been there since it was built. It's on Reynolds Road. And of course, you know, I went away for a little while while I was in Virginia. I found a new home church out there. But every time I'd come back, I'd visit. And it's just been a real anchor for me here. Um, my pastor is uh, he's my spiritual father, really. When I first had my daughter, I was going through a lot of things and I was ashamed and I hid from him. And I remember 
after a few months after she was born, he sent me a text message. I didn't even know he still had my phone number, sent me a text message and said, hey, when am I going to meet that beautiful baby girl? And I just I cried because I said I was running from this man and he's just waiting for me. Open arms. It's just Christ like love, you know, and I um, so I went back and I've I've been there ever since. And when I came home, it was really crucial for me because I was going through those issues with depression and things like that from what happened with Johnny and just different things in my life. And I came to Calvary's love and got immediately hemmed into small groups um, and just trying to be as active as possible um, because that was the environment that I wanted to be in um, in order to improve my wellness altogether. Um, so I was really crucial in my move back home being at that church. And what's your involvement there, say, week to week? What, how, many, how much time are you spending there? What are you um, so it's a little less now that I'm back in school, but I, was, I do nursery on Wednesday nights. I'm working with the babies. Um, I sing on sun, some Sunday mornings. Um, I'm really involved in the small groups. And, yeah. Um, and you, are you getting your kids involved as well? Oh, yeah. My daughter loves. So I feel really bad because... Um, we've been missing Wednesdays because I have class now. And just last Wednesday, she was like, mom, can we go to church tonight? So I love that she's asking and she really loves um, being a part of it. And then another thing I do, I sing on Tuesday nights for a um, group called Live Free, which is helping recovering addicts, um, people that are dealing with codependency or um, after abortion, that kind of thing. So, which I didn't even know when I got asked to sing for Live Free, I had no idea what Live Free was. Mm. Even to the moment that I stepped in there and we were in our prayer circle right before service was supposed to start and they're all talking about different things and I'm looking around and I'm like, I was supposed to be in this room just because of, you know, my passion for helping with recovering addicts and things like that. So, What, um, when you think about your faith, what does it mean to you at the deepest level? Oh, it's, it's everything. Um, I, like I said, it's an anchor, just like my church has been, it's my anchor. I, Christ is my center and I've struggled with that. You know, I grew up in the church and so I, I'm sure other children who grew up in the church can kind of attest to this, that need to, that want to kind of rebel. Um, and I definitely, I did that, but I always had a praying mother and, and a praying father as well. And um, I, I would come back and that was the best place for me to be. You know, I couldn't find my joy anywhere else, but through my faith. And um, it's taken a lot of mistakes, um, a lot of experience to realize that, but it always comes back to my faith. How important is gratitude in your life? Just giving thanks for things. Oh, and... yeah. It's it's important. I tell, um, I read this, it was like a meme or something that said, if you only had what the, the last thing that you gave God thanks for, what would you have? You know? And so... I think about that every time I pray with my kids at night and it's it's almost like the silliest thing because I try to like cover everything because I want to and I want to show my children um, to be grateful. And, you know, I even say, uh, I thank God for my car and my house, even though it's material things, 
I'm grateful that I have this because some people don't and it, you know, it can be a struggle. Um, just the little things. I think it's, it's so important mm -hmm. to be grateful and for me to teach that to my children. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. Um, who's Carmen San Diego? <laughs> She's a fictional character. <laughs> Tell us about her. Um, she's very, she's very mysterious and, um, that's why I brought her up. This is my red jacket, right? No. Um, yeah, she's just, she's a fictional character from my childhood. I always... That you created? No, I did not. Who created her? Oh, she's a fictional character. She, yeah, she's on TV. Oh, okay. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, she's she's on TV, and actually one of my favorite actor, actresses is now playing her in a movie. And um, so I always say, I joke around because I have this red jacket, and everybody loves it. They're like, red's your color. Um, so I wear that jacket, and I'm like, I'm Carmen San Diego. Um, I actually think that she's not the best role model. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe your alter ego? Yeah. <laughs> Um, she's spicy. And so anytime I have my, my red, my red lipstick and my red jacket, I'm like, okay, I'm Carmen San Diego. Um, so yeah, that's who she is. And I like to go there. So probably my creative mind goes to Carmen San Diego. Well, I noticed your, on uh, your story. Yeah. Um, you say you're obsessed with her. Oh, well, I'm obsessed with Gina. Gina. Okay. Yeah. She's who, who's playing her. I see. Yeah. Okay. So, and it's funny because um, Gina Rodriguez is, so she's playing Carmen Diego, and then she plays a character called Jane the Virgin. And she's also, she's a writer um, and she's a teacher. And so I've, I've done teaching as well. And in the, the plot of it, um, she has this man that she meets who she falls in love with and he tells her, um, she can't decide what she wants to do. And he tells her to be brave. And if she chooses to be brave, what would she be? And she okay. chooses to be a writer. Isn't that great? So, yeah. I love I love her. A lot in common. <laughs> yes. It's so strange. My my college roommate, she told me to watch the show. She was like, she reminds me so much of you. And I've had so many people, which I don't agree with this, but so many people tell me that we look alike. And so, yeah. <laughs> I love Let's talk about mental health. Yeah. Yeah. That's a loaded topic, but um, I've had quite the journey myself, um, kind of struggling with depression and anxiety. Um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I chose to go to counseling because um, depression kind of runs in the, fam in my, the women's side of my family. And I thought, okay, maybe I can do this as a preventative measure. You know, I don't know how depression works, but <laughs> I don't want to get it. Um, and so I went to counseling while I was pregnant because I was having a really hard time um, just with relationships and my emotions and things like that. And it was really, really helpful. Um, I could say that I did not experience postpartum depression um, after having her because, you know, um, any woman who's had a child can tell you that childbirth is a very traumatic experience. Recovery after that, there's a lot that goes on. Um, and I, while I was pregnant, I read Brooke Shields' book about 
how she went through postpartum depression. And there's, you know, there's women that go through it where they don't, they don't want to have anything to do with their child. And um, so it's just, it's scary where your mind can go and how it can just completely change your world. And so through my journey, I have really um, wanted to help other people improve their mental health. It's really important to me. And for people that may be listening or watching, what are some of the warning signs if someone really doesn't know or they may feel they might be depressed? What, how can you help um, someone there? Well, for me, I, I could say that I had postpartum depression after my son. And it was a lot of, it's more than just regular sadness. It's deeper than that. Um, almost uncontrollable where, you know, you're crying and you don't know why. You don't know the root of it. Obviously, there's a lot going on and anybody could say, oh, you're just overwhelmed. Um, but it's, it's really not that simple. There's, there's so many different factors to it, um, but it changes the way that you are, who you want to spend time with, you know, where I, I said I'm an outgoing person, but I didn't want to leave the house. I didn't want to see certain people because I knew that they might ask me something and I'm just not going to be able to keep it together. Um, it really changes your, your habits and that kind of thing. So when you, when you see yourself just not being you, um, it's, it's something to, to look into, you know, because a lot of people are like, well, I don't know, or I don't want to be stigmatized or anything like that, but it, it wouldn't hurt to just talk to somebody about it. Um, either somebody, you know, that's been through it or a doctor, um, because it's really important. And do, are you, um, an advocate of the prescription drugs to help with depression? Um, no, I not, I'm just, I try to stay away from that and what I want to do as, um, going for my licensure in mental health counseling. I, because for me, I have a very hard time with, um, medication in general, in general. Um, yeah, I don't know if it, it's a, a fear. I, well, I think it stemmed is that, you know, when I first had my daughter, I got prescribed Percocets. And that's a very strong narcotic. And um, I took one and the effect that it had on me, the feeling, I said, absolutely not. I do not want to do that. And I was in excruciating pain, um, up all night crying. And I just, I said, that's, that cannot be safe, you know? Um, and so, but thankfully I was able to have that kind of strong will to say, I'm not going to do this again. But some people don't have that, you know, or they're just, I need to listen to the doctor, so I'm going to take these. Right. Um, and that was, you know, for pain. However, I, I feel that it could be the same thing with mental health issues, you know, just developing that dependency. Um, and I would rather go through other means of therapy um, to try to resolve some of those issues if it's possible. Mm -hmm. So, Ashley, you say, serve the world with your joy. So that's a quote I found somewhere online. I don't know who said it. It wasn't me, but I do. I love it. Um, it's on my bio for my Instagram. I just, joy is so important to me because joy is deeper than happiness. It's not circumstantial. 
it's for me it is rooted in my faith i only get joy from god um, and that's what's brought me through everything because like i told you i've experienced depression and i i think that the joy of the lord is the only thing that has saved me because it's unshakable um and you know i love the personality that god has given me this bubbly spirit that i have but i have had dark days you know and um i used to be really hard on myself because if i had a bad day everybody knew it because i came in and you know i couldn't i couldn't have a bad day i was the person who would come to work and i i had to set the tone for being really happy and excited and getting everybody on board uh, which i love doing that but you know at the same time i'm human and so um, I would have those bad days, but in those really, really, really dark moments um, where I didn't know how I was going to turn around from it, but it was that deep-rooted joy that always would kind of cover everything. And so, you know, I think for people who are trying to help others who are in human service field or just like what you're doing, trying to help everybody share their story, it's like, we want to put out this positive message and we are expected to be perfect almost or to always be positive and that kind of thing. And the only way that we can do that even a little bit is with joy. And so I use that joy and this is, even though I might not have it in me today, I'm going to still work. I'm going to serve the families that I work for at, at Family Enrichment. I'm going to um, share my stories with these people because they need to hear it. And I'm going to serve, serve, serve with that joy. And I hope, hopefully it'll be infectious, it'll spread, and other people will embrace that joy as well. I love that. And I love that you have it in your Instagram bio. Yeah. Because it's probably a daily reminder oh, yeah. to keep it front and center, right? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I need that reminder. Day. That's why I'm wearing this key too. Need reminder, hope. That's right. What was the most happiest moment of your life? Ooh. Well, I got two. My two children. I'd say, um, you know, there were circumstances that I wasn't so proud of that led me to being a mom. However, I wouldn't take it back for anything anything that led me to my children. They are one of my greatest joys. I could cry. <laughs> um, because even though I did experience, you know, depression, and I'm so grateful that it wasn't the kind that I didn't want anything to do with my children. They brought me through a lot, everything I do. Um, I try to be a good example to them and to teach them. Uh, and they're, they're just, they're amazing. But there's nothing like a mother's love yeah. <laughs> for their children. Yeah, that is for sure. And seeing them, I remember um, the moment that my daughter met my son because I was away from her for a little bit. She stayed for four nights with one of my friends. Um, I was in the hospital for five days with him. I had a C-section and it was pretty complicated. So. Um, she wasn't able to be there and then they brought her and I just didn't know what to expect because you hear a lot of different things about multiple children and 
maybe possible jealousy or the other child not understanding. But I think their age gap really helped with that. Which was how many years? Um, five years. Five. They're five years apart. Mm-hmm. And she just lit up. And I actually have a picture like of the moment of her seeing him and that it just melts my heart every time. And they have an amazing bond. I mean, they get on each other's nerves, but she's really helpful with him. And um, he's the first, she's the first person he looks for when he wakes up in the morning. They love each other so much. That's great. So important. Yeah. So wasn't there a time you brought your daughter to school? Yeah. Um, When I was at Bridgewater, I got pregnant with her my junior year. Um, And so at that point, I was even told by someone that my education was over. Yeah. So how did that make you feel? Um, not great, but I was scared. You know, I thought maybe that's true because how am I going to do this with a child? And, um, so I had her, but thankfully the staff there was incredible. Um, they were very understanding and accommodating where I was able to, I was supposed to be at school for my final exams and everything like that. But, you know, babies, they just have a mind of their own. Um, She came about a week and a half early. And I was actually supposed to have her here in Binghamton, but I was still in Virginia. So, but it all, it all worked out because having her there, my whole college family that saw me get big and they felt really bonded to me and my belly, um, they were able to come visit you know, and see, see her when she was first born. And so I went home and, um, they have kind of this inner term that they do, but I wasn't able to go to that, but I'm thinking, how am I going to do this? I really want to finish school. I'm right there, you know, just my senior year left. And, um, so what I did was my college roommate from freshman year, she, we'd been really good friends, um, for all those years. And then she wrote a letter to the dean requesting to live off campus with me so that she could um, help me. And because they had very strict guidelines about living off campus and things like that, but obviously having a baby is an exception. Sure. <laughs> so I was able to, but um, she wanted to help me with that. So we got an apartment together. And um, the way that it worked was every time I had a class, she didn't and vice versa. So my daughter was the campus baby. She was on campus all the time. Everybody got to know her. She attended, I don't know, she should probably have her degree (laughs) in psychology because she was there. And probably other things. She sat through a two-hour French class one time. Um, And it was amazing. Just everybody being so accepting and helpful. Um, I had faculty and staff who would take care of her so that I could do homework, so that I could study just get a break wow um and so she got very accustomed to that life where she was all around campus all the time she took naps on computer lab tables (laughs) but we did it and um and we did it together that just it took that bridgewater college village for sure sure and hey a big big thanks and kudos to them yeah because if bridgewater wasn't supportive it could have went the other way absolutely maybe you didn't finish you know now That's wonderful. And I have a, um, a picture that's just amazing from when I was graduating. I was walking across the stage and my dad has his fist in the air like this. And you see my daughter, like the back of her head. It's just, and then like the crowd of people and I'm walking across the stage. It's beautiful. What did that feel like at that moment? Uh, it was, it was relief 
I felt relief. I felt really accomplished, but just loved. So very loved by the people in my life that helped me get through that point because I'm sure, you know, my parents were probably devastated, you know, well, I know, I know that they were devastated when they found out that I was pregnant. It just wasn't something that any of us were ready for. Um, but they loved me and they kind of came to my rescue and really helped out with that. So. What advice would you have for other young women who may have been maybe in the same position, maybe even in high school? Yeah. Um, what advice going through everything you did and sticking to your plan, what would you tell them? Just find find your anchor, find your community, people that are going to support you um, because I, I couldn't have done it alone. I didn't do it alone. Even if there were not all those people around me, I had God and I needed that to make it through because there, there were so many times where I looked ahead and I thought there is just no way and there was always somebody in my ear saying, you can do it, you can do it. I'm gonna help you, how can I help you? Um, and that's so important. And, and the biggest thing, especially for somebody like me who I, you know, I am a single parent and I want to be able to do everything on my own, but it's so important to accept the help and not be too proud. Don't be ashamed to ask. There are so many other people going through it, um, even married women who, you know, they they need that support. Um, so we're not alone. And I, I think that's the overarching message of what I've been doing um, through She Is Me Too and everything, trying to show people that they are not alone and to reach out, to get those resources, to ask those people for help and um, know that they're not a burden to anyone. Because people in general, they like to help, right? Yeah. Isn't that what you find out? Oh, Doors open. Once yes. you put Once you put it out there that, yes, I, I, need, I, help. I need help. Yeah. The door's open. They do. And, and I think that's in life. Willing. Whether you're in a, in a situation where you become pregnant as a young woman yeah. or, you know, in any situation. Right. If you need help, don't be afraid to ask. Exactly. Yeah. As hard as it is to do. And it can be hard. Sure. It sure can. Um, and like I said, that feeling of feeling like you're a burden um, can be overwhelming, but it's if people love you, that's not how they see you. And it also depends on your heart because, you know, there are people who can be skeptical of helping others when they think, oh, you know, they just they just want to hand out or um, they don't want to try that kind of thing. But if your heart is in the right place and the people around you love you and know you, you know, you're not a burden to them. They want to see you do well. And that's really what I realized that, and to this day, you know, I have some of the most amazing people in my life who they just want to see me succeed and they want the best for my children and they're willing to be there, be my community and help me. Incredible. Ashley, if you were to take out your cell phone right now and call the 20 year old you, what would you tell her? Oh man. Um, that's, that's a tough one. I would, I would tell her to trust God's plan because I made a lot of choices based on my own fears of what I didn't want for my life or what I thought might happen. Um, 
And so I made a lot of impulsive decisions without seeking God's guidance or without trusting, you know, that he had something better for me. I just wanted to do it myself. Um, and I experienced a lot of heartache because of that. Um, when all along, you know, I felt like God was just saying, I have this for you. Just trust me. You know, it might not be when you're ready for it, when you want it, but trust me and wait. So that would be my message to her. <laughs> I love that. I met with, uh, interviewed uh, yesterday, David Meltzer in New York. And um, he's very inspirational. He's a, he's a um, public speaker, motivational speaker. And one of the things we were talking about is he was talking about the bamboo tree, that the root system of the bamboo tree takes about four years to grow and get strong enough before it could start to, to sprout. Yeah. And But it's in that fifth year where it could grow 80 feet. Yeah. So what he says, what, whatever it is in life, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're a mom, whether whatever it is, just know that we all want things sooner than we can have them, but everything you're doing, all these steps are purposeful because you're building that foundation. So don't give up. And I just loved how he did that and, and explained that. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. And I think that more recently, I have become more patient with my journey. Um, just me going just back to school is proof of that because I was nervous. You know, I was thinking, oh, this is going to take forever. I don't want to wait that long. Um, and then I was inspired by my small group leader at church, who I've known her my whole life. She was my children's church teacher, um, where she just got licensed as a counselor. And, you know, she's a little older than me. And I thought, wow, you know, she doesn't care how old she is. It's not too late, you know, to have a new dream, a new goal. And it's okay if it takes a little bit of time. Like, that's where you're going to grow and really um, establish something. So that was really encouraging to me. And I was like, okay, you know, this program is going to take me two and a half years. And I'm okay with that. I'm excited and I'm okay with waiting. Well, I see big things for you. You, you're, you have a wonderful spirit Thank you. and personality, and I can see how you light up not only the room, but all the people around you. Where do you see yourself in five years? In five years. Um, well, I'm, I want to still, you know, I'm working at Family Enrichment Network, and I love what I'm doing there. Um, I, like I said, I'm currently a family advocate. I help families that we serve kind of um, get resources in the community and just I'm the in-between person between the classroom and the families, helping them better their lives. So, you know, I want to continue with that because that also inspired me on my journey to mental health counseling, um, where I'm meeting with these families every month and I feel like I'm in a counseling session sometimes, you know. Um, so I want to help them grow as well. Um, and then I really want to expand my brand. Like I said, you know, by then, five years, I will have my license. Um, hopefully, maybe having some like a She Is Me Too clinic or something. I don't know, you know, um, where I'm helping women with their mental health. Awesome. And last question before I let you go. And again, thank you for, for being here and sharing your story with us. It's very, very inspiring. You've been through a lot. And 
it's it's just nice to see that you're willing to put yourself out there to help others because at the end of the day if we don't share those experiences how could other people learn right and i'm sure there were people along the way in your journey that helped you and you're now reciprocating you know by by sharing your story yeah so thank you but one last question and that is um when you think about the rest of your life you have a lot of years ahead um ultimately what do you you want your legacy to be where do you want to leave your mark on this world wow <laughs> um that's a big question i i think again it goes back to serving the world with your joy um that is i want people to hopefully remember me for that um and my children, I, I want that same, whatever they become, I want that to be instilled in them, to always be servants, um, no matter what position you are in in your life, whether you're a CEO or you, you know, mop floors, that you are, you have a servant's heart. Um, and it's not just about making money or, you know, fame or anything like that, but what are you doing for someone else? So for me, that's that's huge, serving, and that I pass that on to my children. Awesome. Ashley Montalvo, thank you so much for okay. being here, and welcome to the American Real Family. Thank you, thank you so Thanks. much. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review, as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. At American Real, we're on a mission to help as many people around the world fulfill their dreams and obtain their goals. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. And speaking of podcasting, our next course will be starting soon. So, if you're interested in launching your own podcast, join me at Podcast Your Passion. I'll take you through my eight-week course where I'll mentor you to build a world-class podcast. I'm only taking on a small group of people who want to share their passion through broadcasting, where I'll have you up on iTunes and YouTube within weeks so you can podcast your passion. Click on the link below for more information. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.